Grace and mercy and peace to you this morning from God our Father and from Jesus our Savior who has compassion on us. The word compassion is one of those words where there's just so much that it means so much attached to it. It's like God's love. How do you, how do you describe what it really means that like God loves us? Or the grace of God or the mercy of God. Today the word is God's compassion. I suppose you could write a dictionary definition and later on I'll put that up on the screen how a dictionary might describe what compassion is, but it's so hard, how do you really capture a word just in a sentence? Sometimes it's actually better to tell a story. And with some of these great terms in the Bible, maybe you go back to some of the same stories you teach kids. You want a story about God's love? Let me tell you a story about God's love. You want to know what God's power is like? Let me tell you a story about God's power. Or today, if you want to know what God's compassion is like, Let me tell you a story about God's compassion. And the one we have in front of us is from Mark chapter 6. In a way, it's really simple. There's no miracle Jesus does, very little he says, but there's this one phrase where it says, and Jesus had compassion on them. But before we get there, you've got to understand just how much Jesus needed a vacation because that's what leads up to him saying that. So if you've got a paper copy of the worship folder, go back to page 10. Otherwise, I'll put the key verses up on the screen. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 starts out with this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. The month of July, we've been going through Mark chapters 5 and 6, and last week was Jesus sends out his disciples to teach and to drive out evil spirits. And this verse says, now all the disciples are coming back and they're really excited because they did drive out evil spirits and they got to preach the good news of the gospel and they were bubbling over with wanting to tell Jesus all about their ministry experience and Jesus wanted to use this as a time to debrief with them and teach them even more about what it means to be gospel ministers. So one reason that Jesus is gonna wanna get away is to spend a little time with his disciples. Uh, That's reason one for a vacation. Reason two is, if you go back a few verses, this comes right after the section where John the Baptist was put to death, which really hit Jesus hard. Partly because John was Jesus' relative, we know that John's mother Elizabeth was related to Jesus' mother Mary. But even more than that, John also was preaching the good news about God. And it wasn't a message that everyone wanted to hear. Herod had arrested him and because a girl danced for him and she asked for John's head, Herod cut off John's head. It was, it was horrible, it was pointless. And if you've ever had somebody that you loved really close to you who suddenly died, uh, even if you knew their death was coming, uh, how tragic that can be, how you just need some time to grieve. Matthew's gospel, more than Mark's, focuses on how much Jesus needed some time just to be by himself because as he experienced all our human emotions, he experienced grief too, and John the Baptist's death really hit him, hit him hard. So that's reason two. Reason three is in the next verse. Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. And I don't know if you've ever had a job or an experience like that. My wife's a nurse, and she says they had, she has days at the hospital like this where she actually skips lunch. And I look at her like, why, can't you even find 15 minutes just to grab a sandwich or something? Were you really that busy? And she says, yeah, we were. We were so busy, we couldn't stop to have lunch. And if you've ever had a job like that or had a time in life like that, you know that if you're moving at the kind of pace where you can't actually eat, 
where you can't get the sleep your body needs, that is just unsustainable. Jesus, sharing our human physical nature, he was just worn out and exhausted. And so he said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Uh, There'll be times when we'll come back. We need to minister to people more, but now is a time for us to just get away and have some rest. Time for us to talk, time for us to grieve, time for us to get caught up on eating some food and getting some sleep. So, uh, they pick a spot where they're going to go, and here's what it looked like on a map. So this is the land of Palestine. They were up by the Sea of Galilee. So the body of water in the south is the Dead Sea. It's so salty there that you can't actually fish. But then there's the Jordan River, and that lake up in the north is called the Sea of Galilee. That's where Jesus' disciples were from, and a lot of Jesus' ministry was around that, around that lake. Here's if I zoom in on that. It's surrounded by a lot of little towns. They weren't really big, but up in the, the northwest corner where the red arrow is, is where Jesus spent a lot of his time near Capernaum. So that's where they would have been when Jesus says, let's get away and, and take a break. And maybe you've got a, a quiet spot in mind. I know for a lot of people in Wisconsin, there's some cabin up north. Uh, maybe there's a different spot for you where you know that if you are just getting burned out by life and need a week by yourself, you can get away there. Well, Jesus knew that if they got in a boat and sailed over to where the yellow arrow is, it's not all that far away, but there aren't as many towns over on that northeast side. Past Bethsaida, there's the plain of Bethsaida, and Jesus knew that's a spot to get away to if you want to just get away and have some peace and quiet. So they got in the boat and sailed over there. Uh, Now, you heard it before, so you know what's going to happen. I suppose Jesus knows everything, right? So he knew very well that when he got there, they weren't going to be by themselves. But could you imagine what the disciples all of a sudden realized? What they didn't know was this. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And I feel like the word many is an understatement because you find out later there were 5,000 men not counting the women and children. So if there was a woman for every man and some kids there, Could you imagine them pulling up in the boat and all of a sudden there are like 15,000 people staring at them in this spot where they thought they were going to get away and have some rest? Uh, And what would you have done if, uh, if that was what you saw? Jesus landed and saw a large crowd and you fill in the blank. Now you know what the next line is, but Jesus saw the crowd and said, let's get back in the boat and try a little farther south. Uh, Or Jesus went off on the crowd and said, this is my vacation time. Can't I have a little bit of peace and quiet? I know people who have a lot of patience and a lot of care and compassion, but if you would mess with their vacation time, you'd better watch out. Can you imagine that? Somebody is on the edge of burnout and they've been planning this trip for months and what they want most of anything in the world is just to get away and have some peace and quiet and then... The very moment that they get to the spot they thought was going to be quiet is the spot they find out, oh, by the way, vacation's canceled and there are a lot of people who need you. Uh, Jesus had a moment just like that. His disciples did too. But rather than being bitter about it or being angry at them, here's where that phrase comes in. Jesus had compassion on 
compassion on them. That word compassion is one of those emotions we feel so strong as human beings, you can actually feel it physically. There are other ones like that too. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt anger, really strong and intense, but the Hebrew language connects that with your face. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that you got so angry that your face got hot or your nose or your eyes changed because of, because of the anger. I know people who say that when they feel really worried or depressed or anxious about stuff, it can feel like a physical weight pressing down on your chest. Uh, it's not really, it's, it's an emotion, it's, it's mental, right? But you feel that so strongly that you feel it physically in your, in your body. And there, there are good emotions like that too. Like if you, if you really truly fall deeply in love with somebody, a lot of people say it feels like there's something again in my, in my chest area, my, by my heart. Not the pressure of all the anxiety and dread, but there's a physical side to the feeling that we call call love. Well, this word for compassion, the Greek language, puts that down in your stomach and your gut. And I don't know if we as Americans, where would you say it comes from, but the idea behind this word is something you feel so deeply and strongly that you feel it deep down inside from the very core of who you are. Not something just on the outside. This isn't something Jesus is faking or trying to put on a good show even though he really is really disappointed that his vacation got taken away. Compassion is something you feel down deep inside. And that same word, if you look around the New Testament, it shows up other places too to describe the way that God has compassion on us. For example, there's a parable Jesus told about a man who was robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And there's a priest and a Levite, they came by, you'd think they helped, but they went by on the other side of the road. And then of all people in the world, a Samaritan passes by and he feels, he feels compassion. That there in his gut, he can't just leave the man dying there. He has compassion on him and that's what leads him to go out of his way and stop and touch the bloodied man and bandage him up and pay for his medical expenses because he had compassion on him. Or there's another parable where there's a son who took his whole share of the inheritance, something maybe a third or a half of all the family fortune, and he abandoned the family and ran away from home and blew all that money on stuff that didn't matter at all and ended up taking care of pigs and then decided to come back home, probably smelling like pigs and all raggedy from... His father is looking down the road. And what's the emotion that the father felt when he sees his son? The way Jesus tells the parable, he wasn't angry. Uh, He wasn't disappointed. He felt... He felt compassion deep down inside. And the father's compassion led him not just to wait for the son to get home. He took off and ran down the road and threw his arms around his son and hugged him and kissed him because he had compassion on him. You see, part of compassion is always that it leads the person to do something. It's not just something you feel. It's something that drives you to help the person that you have compassion on. And the same thing was true for Jesus in Mark chapter 6. So rather than being upset that he's missing out on his quiet time, Jesus has compassion on them because he sees that they have a need to. Not that they're dying on the side of the road, 
Not that they're a long lost son coming home, but Mark says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He uses that picture that's throughout the Bible of God's people being like sheep, and if sheep don't have a shepherd, nothing good's gonna come out of that. The sheep are gonna starve. The sheep are gonna go here and there and get lost all over the place. The sheep are gonna get eaten by wolves. Sheep need a shepherd, and Jesus knows that they, of all the things they need in the world, need him. And I don't know if the people realize that. When they left on foot to follow Jesus, maybe some of them were just interested, maybe they wanted to see miracles. There might have been a whole lot of reasons, but the people deep down had a sense that they needed something from Jesus. And Jesus knew what that was and knew he's the only one who could give it to them. They needed a shepherd. They needed him. And so Jesus' compassion led him to act. In a way, this is just the introduction to one of the greatest accounts in Jesus' whole ministry outside of his death and resurrection. It was the time when, like we picked for our summer parables, one of the greatest miracles Jesus performed when he fed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five loaves of bread and two fish. Why would Jesus go out of his way to take care of those thousands of people? It's because he had compassion on them. But Jesus knew that their need wasn't just for bread in their stomachs, they needed, they needed him. And that's what Mark emphasizes. What Jesus' compassion led him to do was to land the boat on the shore and to start teaching them many things. And Mark doesn't give us an account of what those many things were. I'm assuming that if you'd read the Gospels, the same things we hear elsewhere, the kind of things Jesus would have taught them that day, The place we do find out more is in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 6, after Jesus landed, after he fed all those people, he got in a boat and went back to Capernaum, and there he gave a long talk with the people about how he is the bread of life. And so the plan for us this next month is to slow down now and to take what happened after this. So next week is the feeding of the 5,000. Then for the rest of August, it's that discussion Jesus had about how he is the bread of life in John chapter 6. Why would Jesus feed their stomachs? Why would Jesus feed their souls? Because Jesus, who was worn out, needed some time away, saw a big crowd, and the thing he felt inside was compassion for them. So, if I go back to the beginning and say, how do you define what that word compassion means, how would you phrase it? Here's what Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, has. I won't read the whole thing. It gives you the history. The word we have in English, compassion, comes from Latin. It's related to the same kind of word from Greek that we call sympathy. Both of those mean to feel together with someone else what they're experiencing. So the way the Merriam-Webster describes compassion, it's toward the end of that paragraph, it says, compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. In some ways, I'd say that's a pretty good, right? It has the two sides. So the one side is you know someone is in distress and you're able to feel that along with them. 
and it leads you to want to do something to jump in and help and alleviate whatever that is. That's not talking just about a biblical definition. That's the way we use the word compassion in, in English. But sometimes I feel like a dictionary definition never really captures the whole color and flavor of a word, and that's where if you have a story, you can tell a story about compassion, like this time that Jesus needed a vacation, but instead he had compassion on the crowd. Uh, A whole other level would be, I hope you don't just know what compassion is, you don't just know that God has compassion, but that you've experienced God's compassion for yourself. Now know how often you'd say you need it. If it's just every once in a while or more often than not or always. I think we as human beings, we tend to think let's, let's try not to need other people's compassions. Let's just keep going on our own. If I'd ask you how you're doing today, most people are just going to say I'm fine. Uh, whether or not that's actually true. I think there's a reason why we often try to pretend that everything's okay. We don't really need someone to have compassion and step in and help us. It's because I think you know that there are a lot of people where if you would expose just how vulnerable you are and all the things you face in life, a lot of people wouldn't have compassion on you. There'd be a whole group of people where if you'd show just how weak you are today, A lot of people would want nothing to do with you because they'd say, well, I just want to associate with people who don't have problems. I want to have people around me whose lives are under control. I don't want to have time for you if you're so so needy and out of control like that. Or another group of people would say, well, what a hot mess you are. Uh, It's going to take so much time to deal with you it's going to cost me so much emotionally to deal with all your issues. Why am I the one who has to step in and help and help you? And so I think there are a lot of people who, even though they need compassion, not just to be felt but to be shown, even though a lot of people need someone to be a shepherd for them, it's easy for us to put on this facade that says, no, I don't need that. But I think you know the reality is all of us need this, and this is why it's so wonderful to meet Jesus. That when you are hungry, Jesus is the one who can feed you. Not just your physical stomach, but he's the one who can feed your soul. When you've got guilt, Jesus is the one who forgives you because he died for you on the cross. When you look at your life and it's completely out of control, you can come to Jesus because he's the one who has everything under his control. Uh, Whether you feel that pressure weighing down of stress and burdens, Jesus says he's the one who's able to take that away and, and give you peace. No matter what you face in life, Jesus is the one who's there for you. And so the big point of God's word today is not so much here's what you need to be, here's what God expects of you in your life, it's more Here's what God is for you and he invites you to come to him and to rely on him because he is the one who has compassion on you. Amen.